Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello football folk, it's time for another edition of the Game Day Preview podcast from Talk Sport, where we sift through this week's runners and riders in the Premier League, identify which old nag is going to pull up in the home straight and which group of young stallions are going to jump every hurdle. <laughs> Can you tell we've been racing this week? Uh, Liverpool looked as if they were going to limp up the hill to the finish line until Bournemouth and Manchester United did them a few good turns. This week it's the Merseyside derby, which we think is going to have paying punters, but right now... You just can't tell. Also this week, Tottenham are back in the stables after their Champions League tilt was ended by a club that didn't even exist the last time Spurs won a trophy. And this week, they have to go to a resurgent beast, Manchester United. The relegation scrap might go to the finishing line, but as we come round the final bend, there's pivotal fixtures for Brighton, Bournemouth, Watford and Aston Villa. Three of those are live on game day. All the games and a big name as a former England striker sticks his head into the pod for the first time. This is Game Day, Premier League preview show. Yeah, we're in the Northwest recording the podcast this week, and I'm delighted to say that the former England Leicester, Villa, Birmingham, and Liverpool striker Emil Heskey is here. Hello, Emil. Hello, Hello. Thank how are you, you doing? Very much. Thank you very much for coming to my basement. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't sound right, does it? It doesn't really, no. It doesn't. Um, but when, I, when you got the text message giving you the address, and when you turned up to the front door, did you panic slightly a that you were being uh, taken in hostage by some <laughs> mad super fan? A, a little bit. Uh, um, to be honest with you, when I when I when I put it in ways and I and where it was, I was like, well, "What's here? <laughs> it must be some sort of stupid." And then when I invited you into the house, right. made you offered you a cup of coffee, and then said, "Now come downstairs to my dungeon." <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, it's nice to see you. Thank you, thank uh, you, very and much. thank you for the. Well, look, I bought you some biscuits. Yep, special biscuits, Fox's biscuits, thank Emil you. the Fox, Fox. Hesky. Thank you very much for the first of September, two thousand and one. Oh. Do you get that a lot? Yes, all you the do? time. And Denmark as well? Not Cup? Denmark. Really? Yeah, not Denmark, but um, uh, the, the Germany game, 100%. It's the one that everyone knows exactly where they were when the game was being played. I know where I was, actually. It was my um, sister's 15th birthday, and she was going out for an Indian meal. And uh, after about two, three minutes, um, my, my dad was watching the game with us, and he was just like, that's it, I'm going oh. shopping. Because <laughs> they scored first, Germany. Seven minutes, yeah. Yeah. And um, that was it. Everyone was like, uh, and I was like, no, 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 no. He's just saying, just start it. So I sat down and watched it. And when he came back, I gleefully reported that it was 5 1. <laughs> and he went mad. <laughs> I was so happy. Uh, what are you up to now? Um, bit of media. Um, and then working with Leicester. Leicester women's who were playing in the championship. 
uh, mid-table now, I think. Um, so, yeah, they're going to be taking them under the same banner, moving into a new state training training facility and everything. So, yeah, that should be good. OK, and also in the dungeon this week uh, is TalkSport's Manchester man, Dom McGuinness, who's back from Vegas. So you were in the MGM Grand doing the Fury Masterclass, um, and now you're in the dungeon in Didsbury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but to be honest with you, I quite like your basement. It's very nice. You've done a good job in here. I've been definitely been in a lot dodgier basements. I bet you have. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, about last week when you finished the Fury uh, Wilder fight, probably, yeah, I would have you, thought. You know, you know what they say about Vegas. <laughs> right, okay, yeah, we'll leave it there. Um, but you are someone, I take it, who, who missed the game. Uh, this week because um, I'm guessing you were due to go to the City Arsenal game yes I was I sat in front of Pep at his pre-match press conference we're talking all things Mikel Arteta and everything else and all the permutations and you know the post-derby kind of uh, analysis and all the rest of it so it's, it's one of those things but we know that we're living in very peculiar times you and I have sort of had a quick mm. chat about that when we were having a coffee earlier on and it's difficult to get your mind around how you're going to complete the season and can get it done before the Euros? That's another question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and th- this is the problem, is that we're, we're all guessing because we don't know. Mm. And everybody's beholden to... You know the official advice that that people are going to get eventually. We know it was a it was a slightly different situation, obviously, with the Olympiacos connection and Arsenal, and hence the the City game being postponed. But you don't even want to think too far ahead because the permutations are just crazy in terms of travel. You know, we know uh, uh, about teams that couldn't travel, like Roma, couldn't travel to Valencia because they, they couldn't land in Spain from Italy. And and again, then when we start thinking further afield, and you mentioned the Euros, Rome's a host city, and yeah. Italy's in com- complete lockdown. So the the headaches that could potentially face not just football but the sporting world are incredible because Mm. it isn't just the Premier League and the Champions League and the Euros there's the Olympics on the horizon as well so it's it's a mess it's interesting that we need to just hear from someone to actually understand Mm. what's going to happen are we going to play in in front of of no one are are you going to close that are you just going to close down football for, for a month or whatever but then it just again is kicking it down the road then and you're, so, you're moving further into the Euros well, exactly so you're, you're moving into the summer and then you've got to postpone the Euros and the Euros has to go next year but if the Euros has to go next year it bumps into the European Championships that the women are playing in this country so that makes it very difficult as well the Club World Cup which apparently is organised for next year as well mm-hmm, that mm-hmm, ends up being mm-hmm. pushed on uh, then you, you've got a tighter season because of the upcoming change in the calendar for t- 2022 is there any chance or is there any threat? Are you concerned, as someone heavily associated with Liverpool, no. that this season could get cancelled? <laughs> no. And, and it could no, all get scrubbed no, off. No, no, I mean, that would be like, I mean, obviously the I, worst case scenario, but obviously it's been talked about and everything has to be considered. I think I think they'd rather pay it in front of uh, no crowd yeah. than actually postponing yeah. it. Um, yes, it will be it'll be difficult. The thing for, the thing for me is, we, we're going to be talking about the Premier League, but what about the leagues below that? Yeah. Who need yeah. the crowd in... The Premier League don't necessarily need the crowd in the stadium for uh, for your, for revenue. The, others, mm. the other leagues do. Yeah, you, you, People are worried about their jobs. But, yeah. but ultimately, the, the problem... You know, the, the issue is the bigger problem is people are dying. Yeah. And that's why, you know, it could be such a drastic situation. And as much as everyone's worried about livelihoods and everything else, you know, the, the key thing, obviously, is if, if they... The, the government is certainly fearing, you know, a serious pandemic and, and there could be, you know, a, a lot of casualties. Mm-hmm. That's got to be number one, obviously. Oh, yeah, but, but, you know, it, the, it's, it's a serious point as it filters down because people can't pay bills. So, again, probably not what we would have imagined talking about a couple of weeks ago. I know. This is the way we are now. It is, it, and I think that it is getting to the, the situation where it is becoming a little bit more 
serious and I think it's pretty clear that we should expect some serious disruption over the next couple of weeks and months but mm -hmm. I also think it's pretty clear that we uh, it, it needs to be the government that leads the advice so, yeah. and the medical people that lead the advice yeah. and yeah. make sure that the uh, the least amount of pressure is put on the the health services but well, listen we're all getting a bit of talk radio now aren't we so uh, let, let's get back to the football They were better than Liverpool today, and that is why this game has finished. Watford 3, Liverpool 0. Crystal Palace 1, Watford 0. Great work. They were queuing up to hit it. The Palace fans wanted them to shoot. No one would shoot. Finally, Jordan Ayew did. I believe we'll stay up. We've worked very hard to get into a competitive situation. Finishes Norwich 1, Leicester City 0. To go three games without a goal, that's, that's pretty... Damning on Leicester's form of late. Listen, our ambition, I've always said, let's get to 10 games to go and see where we're at. And, you know, we made it clear our ambition is to finish, you know, where we are. Leicester City 4, Aston Villa 0. And they're really running riot in this second half now. The fight for third position and the relegation battle takes centre stage on game day this Saturday with Leicester and Chelsea both away from home at Watford and Aston Villa respectively. Let's start with Watford against Leicester. I'll be down at Vicarage Road at 12.30 on Saturday. Uh, Watford did what Watford do this weekend, <laughs> and you know, they? Yeah, you know that as well. You know, you know what you expect from them. And it's, it's no surprise when Troy Dean wasn't in the side that they didn't look like themselves. Mm. You've always got that one player in, in certain teams that gets you going, that gets spurs you on. And it seems like Troy Dean is that, that, that player that, that everyone's waiting for the, him to make a challenge. Everyone's making that for him to make a tackle. So if he has an off day, they, they have an off day. Generally, that, that generally it looks that way. I mean, he missed a couple of chances in the game at Selhurst Park. Mm -hmm. I mean, they played brilliantly the week before above themselves. They were absolutely fantastic. They'll probably never replicate a performance like that again for the whole season but they, the they, need, they need consistency they, they need to stay up though yeah 100% um, and the thing I think with Nigel Pearson uh, at the Realm I think they're going to it's probably come a little bit too, too, too late in a sense that they would have liked him at the beginning of the season just to solidify everything um, going forward you know what you get from him he'll, he'll argue that he, he won the Premier League <laughs> <laughs> You know, and this isn't a very important game for him because uh, having having Leicester coming into town, and you know he'll he'll want to he want to show. I'm not arguing with him. The guy fought off a pack of live wolves, so like you know, at the end of the day, if he says it was down to him, it's down to him. But I tell you what, what he has done, and Troy Deeney, because you mentioned him, and I think he's a bit of a throwback Troy, isn't he? He's, mm -hmm. he's an old school kind of character. He's a real man, isn't he? And, and mm -hmm. Nigel Pearson's come in, and and, he, and Troy said he's speaking, they've been spoken to like adults for the first time in years. Mm. Uh, so he just they, they bought into each other straight away, so and I think. And that's had a massive Respect. effect yeah and I think that you know then the likes of Troy feed that down to some of the, the lads that don't get or haven't got the English mm -hmm. way, if you like, and, and someone like Nigel. And I think they've had problems, haven't they, with Delafeo, obviously. And, well, and he's Sark he's could be the man, yeah. obviously, still. But you're right, you're right, Emil. I think I think Troy is is the person, along with Nigel, that yeah. that will be responsible well, for the, them staying up. I think this is key as well. Nigel Pearson taking on Leicester City at this yeah. stage mm -hmm. of the season. You know, obviously, as you mentioned, he feels as if he. No, obviously, things went wrong there behind the scenes, and he didn't get that season in charge. Ranieri came in, they won the Premier League. Fantastic, wonderful. But I'm sure there's a bit of him in the back of his mind that yeah. must be a little bit aggrieved about that. And w when it's rocking, Vicarage Road is actually quite a difficult mm. place to go. Yeah, it's so tight. 100%. And, 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 and Leicester are a young side. So at times, you know, you can be naive when you're young and going there thinking that it's going to be easy and then you, you, you know, you come up against it. I expect Leicester to put in a good show there though. I do because, again, that naivety at times 
can help you. What have you made of Leicester's season? Well, obviously they had a little bit of a dip, didn't they? They were only two in eight prior to the, the Villa game. Mm. But I think overall, look where they are. I mean, you know, again, they're in third position and look like they're going to, you know, stay there. 55 points, you know, they've got a little bit of distance. And I think that overall it's been excellent. I think uh, if, if they can get Vardy, as he's already got back in the goals again, Barnes with a couple of goals the other night as well, you know, they're going to need Vardy now in the runner to, to really find his boots. And, and that's going to be absolutely key. And there's no reason why they can't go on a, a little bit of a run now. They've had, a, as I say, a little bit of a dip. It's a crucial one, as you say, for all the reasons of Watford. And I know that some Leicester fans are a little bit concerned because Stuart Atwell will referee this one. <laughs> and in the last eight times he's refereed Leicester, they've lost seven. That's all. <laughs> so, uh, it's, uh, he is a character. Well. He is a character. Uh, you mentioned about uh, Jamie Vardy came off the bench, did well against Aston yeah. Villa, scored two goals. That's vital uh, for them. You mentioned about them being third in the league. It, does that sort of underscore just how bad some of the challenges <laughs> to Manchester City and, Man- and uh, Liverpool have been? You know, Chelsea, Tottenham. Manchester United, Arsenal, how how far away they've all, they have they've all been, had transitional so. seasons though, haven't they? Yeah. You know, Arsenal with Arteta coming in, Arguably, Chelsea, so, Lampard. So has Brendan Rodgers, he's only been there for three months at the end of last season. Yeah, true, but I suppose if you look at Arteta, Lampard and Solskjaer, they haven't got the experience of a Rodgers no. who's been at Celtic and Liverpool, you know, giants in, in the game. And so, again, it's no surprise to people that know Rodgers that, he, that he's starting to make things click and mm. his methods and all the rest of it, he's had a bit of time. But again, you know, he's not an old man by any means, but he's, he's very experienced in coaching and managerial terms where the others are in that period of transition uh, you know big big giant clubs with young managers young legends it's all quite interesting the way it's gone mm. you know legends of, of varying degrees but legends of the club that have come back to manage yeah. and they're all young and they're all finding their feet so I think that's part of the reason and, and Spurs we know have had a peculiar time as well well we'll get to them in uh, just a second they've got a big game against Manchester United and we'll focus on that in detail soon um, just a quick word from you on Leicester because obviously you've been in and around the place mm-hmm. um, what's the feeling and what's the impact that Brendan Rodgers has had there? It's buzzing it's buzzing he's, um, he's had a great impact there and I think it's good in a sense that because the team's so young and because people are getting opportunities great for the for the academy they obviously feel that there's there's half an opportunity there to actually break into the first team and this is where we where we see with a lot of um, football clubs where a lot, a lot of kids get disillusioned with being at clubs yes it's great to be at a club but where's my pathway hmm. so Having a, having a young squad and a young team is, is, is quite good for the academy at Leicester. And obviously now they've got this new um, training facility as well that they hopefully should be in uh, the beginning of next season. I think 100 and odd million they've been spent on that. and So it's just onwards and upwards. OK, Leicester have won just two of their last 10 league visits uh, to Watford. And that Stuart Atwell stat that Don mentioned will probably be in the back of the minds of more than a few Leicester supporters that travelled down to Vicarage Road this weekend. It's Aston Villa, another of Emil's former clubs against Chelsea. Oh, dear. Hmm. It has all gone a little bit wrong for Aston Villa. Um, should they sacrifice their principles? Hmm. The thing is, they've spent a hell of a lot of money, haven't they? They've spent a hell of a lot, but they needed to. Coming into the league and a lot of their players were were, were were on their final year and they were leaving. So they had to spend a lot of money to bring players in, but you, you generally need a bit of time to have them gel. You know, they've done well to get to the cup final, though. Uh, that gives the fans something to cheer about, but it's been pretty disappointing. When you come into the Premier League, mm. it is admirable if you want to try and play good football. Wolverhampton Wanderers did it with success and... They've been very popular as a result of that. But at Aston Villa, they're trying to do it with players that don't really have the same level of ability. Mm. 
as a team in the top 10 or further up. And it looks like that is going to end up relegating them because, as Emil said, they, they concede loads and they don't score enough. And they've won, what, seven games all season? That's never going to be enough. Should Dean Smith have been removed of his position and someone like, I don't know, Sam Allardyce been parachuted in to just drag them out of relegation mire? Well, I don't think so. I don't think you can be a genius one minute and get the team promoted and take them to a cup final and, and you know, not get humiliated by Manchester City, who own the Carabao Cup. Yeah. yeah I, I think that you look at that, you know, he, fine margins, as we know. Dean Smith could have been, it could have been the best day out that Villa fans have had in, you know, for God knows how long. It didn't go quite their way. And now, obviously, yeah, they're in, they're in a perilous position. But Dean Smith, you know, who's exactly responsible for all the recruitment? And that's, that's what mm. I'd want to know. Because if you look at the Wolves situation, that link to Portugal has been absolutely Phenomenal. amazing for them. So the recruitment at Wolves has been sensational. And you could argue it's not been sensational at Aston Villa. So is that all Dean Smith's fault? I don't believe that is. So I think you stick with people like Dean Smith who knows the place inside out. A lot's made of the fact that he's a hometown boy and a fan and all the rest of it. In some ways, that's irrelevant, but I, I don't believe... I think you've got to stick with it and roll with the punches. If that means going down and coming back up again or whatever it takes and trying to hold on to players like Jack Grealish, which will be tricky, you've got to go with that. So I, I, I would say no, keep Dean Smith where he is. I agree with you there, but when you go, if you do go down, a lot of your top players yeah, are gone. Unless, unless they're rebuilding. I mean, how many top players have they really got? Well, Grealish is gone. Yeah, he'll, he's, he's gone. He's, I mean, gone. he's going to Manchester United, isn't he? Yeah, well, he, well, he probably—that's the problem. He might do. He probably will whether they stay up or go down. You know, he, yeah. he's probably going to. Yeah, yeah. but, but you know, that would be the dream if they, they do drop. That players stick with it for another season, and but, then maybe they might not be able to because yeah, exactly, uh, yeah. financial fair play and and the money that they're probably paying to some of these players, you might have to get rid of uh, a, a half of them if you can. Mm. <laughs> you know, we've seen it. We've seen it with uh, top top teams dropping out the league and. Suddenly they, they realise that, oh, we need to get rid of you, we need to get rid of them. But if you're in that dressing room and you're a big character, you're Tyrone Mings, you're mm. Jack Grealish, you're, say, a gaffer. Like, I love the idea of us playing football. I love the idea of you getting the ball up to Jack and letting him do whatever he needs to do with it or creating chances, blah, blah, blah. But we've got to stop conceding goals. Should we go back to basics and try and drag ourselves out of this? Do you do that as a senior say, player? You say you. it depends on the manager. Not many managers want to hear you, uh, their player telling them how to play the game. Now, uh, I don't know if Dean Smith's like that. I don't know. But I can't see him having these players and even John Terry allowing players coming in to the, uh, into a meeting with them and saying, now nah, we've got to go back to this and that. And that. They just need to be solid. Frank Lampard, another one that you've worked with closely. Did you always think that he would have it in him to be a Chelsea manager? Um, don't know about Chelsea manager. You, you, you have to take your time and build up into that. He, he, he was lucky enough to to have done not lucky enough but he did well at Derby and they needed someone in there to galvanise the fans as well so you choose your manager as well and uh, Frank obviously has been given a bit of time I don't think any uh, any other manager would have been given that sort of time um, if, if if they weren't connected so strongly to the manager what do you mean because he, he's only been there for what eight, nine months. Well, do you get 10 games in the Premier League? <laughs> but they're in fourth position and they haven't yeah, had by a player. I get that. I, you know, and look, at they, they've, he's done phenomenal and bringing in these young lads as well. Um, Tammy Abraham, you know, players like that who, uh, you know, actually did well. He did well, well at Villa, didn't he? He didn't, scored over yeah. 20, 20 goals at Villa. He'd done it at uh, Swansea. 25 goals in the championship. Yeah, Swansea. 
Uh, Bristol City, if I'm if yeah, I'm he's right got a lot of well. goals for Bristol City as well. He's uh, got a lot of goals in the Championship. Yeah. And I, I think I, I wasn't convinced he was going to score as many in yeah. the Premier League. Yeah. But he, and obviously he's had his injury issues, which means he hasn't scored so much in the back end of the season. But 13 goals in all competitions, I think it is as we speak. I mean, mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive. Yeah, uh, but I think that there's there's a lot of belief, and and it goes to, a lot's got to do with Jody Morris, surely, with with yeah. working with the young players the way that, and knowing them so well, and then you know knowing what Tammy has and all the rest of it. And I think it's something of a free hit anyway with the mm-hmm. transfer embargo. Mm-hmm. And everything else and using young players mm. which is always a galvanising tool for the fans mm-hmm. it's kind of well whatever happens now you know and, and it looks like it could be a very good season they could yeah. win the cup and they could finish top four yeah. that'd be an amazing season mm. for Frank given everything so I think that you know a little bit of a free hit what would be really interesting is next season they haven't won away from home in the Premier League in 2020 mm. will they win at Aston Villa I'll be surprised if they don't to be honest with you Villa are not looking great at this moment in time and it's a bit doom and gloom at Villa it seems like you know they, they, they're not playing well you know there's times where you can lose games and you're, you've actually played reasonably well and you know you try and pick out some good parts what, what can you pick out of that really and uh, it's tough for Villa at this moment in time and I don't see it going too well it speaks for itself where they are doesn't it you know what I mean and it's, it's starting to look like it's pretty tricky I mean the, the, the running they've got Wolves next and Liverpool Man United and then Palace at home. So it gets so, easier. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the thing, you know, that's why it's hard to argue against what Emil's just said. It's, it's looking pretty grim, isn't yeah, it? Because yeah. of, I mean, we, we don't know what, what might, where the, the situation in Liverpool might be in by that point. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think Manchester United is going to be desperate for points. Mm-hmm. Palace at home, I, I don't know, will it all hinge on that? Well, there'll, there'll be some clubs that sit there and think to themselves, oh, I really would like this season to be cancelled and we'll start again in August. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's some clubs that wouldn't. Aston Villa probably form uh, the uh, the earlier part of that particular sentence. And Liverpool, the second part. They take on Everton on Monday night and it could be a huge night at Goodison. Because of the midweek postponement of Manchester City's game with Arsenal, it uh, makes the equation for Liverpool pretty simple. If Manchester City were to lose their game against Burnley on Saturday, Liverpool could win the title on Monday night Mm -hmm. at Goodison Park. As a Liverpool man, Emil Heskey... Mm what was the incentive there to go and do that? Is that something you'd want to do or would you rather wait till the following Saturday yeah, I think at Anfield? I think you'd rather win it at Anfield. Um... I mean, now, of course, you're in a situation where you can pick and choose yeah. and do these things. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. you know, waiting 30 years, but now we'll, we'll just pick our fixture. I think this is the thing. I think it, because, it, because it's been so long, I think uh, the Liverpool fans, they want it in front of them. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always nice to win at Goodison, but I just think I, I, it will just take away from it. Do you think uh, Liverpool winning 3-0 uh, uh, um, to, with, with 10 minutes to go, 15 minutes to go, do you think that stadium's going to be full? Well, I was just going to go. <laughs> Everton fans fully agree with you. You don't want to do it at Goodison. But, but the point, I think you're right. I think Liverpool fans are looking at the diary and, and they're looking at the fixtures and thinking, well, that'd be the best day for a bevy, that one. You know, we'll get into town early, have a few hours. That kickoff is perfect. And then we'll get back into town. You know, that, that, that's, yeah. look, it's their league, isn't it? It's done. The league is done. It's yeah. about yeah. when they get it. Yes. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Manchester City, if they lose at the weekend, can only get 84 points. So Liverpool won 82, meaning that one victory will do it if that is the case obviously if Manchester City win uh, or draw then it will go to at least the game against Crystal Palace live on TalkSport 
the following Saturday, a 5.30 kickoff. And um, yeah, we'll be over it. Whatever happens, <laughs> we'll be there. Um, Everton are winless in 18 Premier League meetings with Liverpool, going back to October 2010 at Goodison Park. They never win at Anfield. I think the last time they won at, won at Anfield was 99. Kevin Campbell scored, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Have they got more of a chance because of Liverpool's recent form in the domestically I mean I've been to the Bournemouth game the Watford game the Chelsea game and they've been tepid at least in all of them do you know it's a crazy thing but I just wonder with, with what we're all talking about there about where Liverpool would want to win the league and they want to live <laughs> is something sub, is there a subconscious element that the players not saying that in any way not going to try and win the game but something plays on the mind so that Everton are in great form at home yeah. obviously they had a shocker at the bridge last time out but they're unbeaten on, with Ancelotti in charge at home so you know again will Liverpool just have a slight off day and maybe draw and that keeps it alive for when they win and Roy Hodgson the former manager's in town and he wasn't very popular on Merseyside as a Liverpool manager again there's a nice little subplot with that so many permutations of all these things but you know, Everton were awful last time out, weren't they? But they'll be they better. Dreadful. They'll be better at Goodison, you yeah. think, in oh, a derby. Yeah. In a derby, they must yeah. be. They have to be because it's all about the city. It's all about bragging rights in the city. You've got to win. You've got to put in the performance in that game. And going back to what you just said before, would it, would it be in their mind? I doubt it would be in their mind as players. They're, they're, you know, he's got them so focused and that they're not worried about um, or where where they win it. They're, they're, they're focusing on every game. We've got to win this game and we've got to we've got to beat uh, whoever's in front of us. Just get the job done. Done, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Divica Rigi has scored five goals in seven appearances against Everton in all competitions. He got uh, two, didn't he, earlier in the season at Anfield. The last Reds player to score more than once in both Merseyside League derbies in a season was... Anyone there? 1925-26, Dick Forshaw. Oh, here we go. <laughs> there was the name on the tip of your tongue. I knew it, I knew it. <laughs> that game's a Monday night kickoff. It kicks off at 8 o'clock. We'll have it all covered. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Time for the velvet bag to be opened and each member of the pod squad will take one of these matches and preview them in 60 seconds. Norwich Southampton, Brighton against Arsenal and Bournemouth against Crystal Palace. So I'm just going to dip my hand into the velvet bag now. 
grab one of the balls out and uh, oh Dom uh, give me 60 seconds on Norwich against Southampton. Go. Well, Norwich bottom, six points from safety. They've not been scoring goals, have they? They've had a problem, and it's all really centred on Timu Puki. You know, he was doing so well. He's got 11 Premier League goals, no shame in that, but that broken foot, I think it was, that he picked up in December, or toe, in fact, a toe injury, when playing for Leicester. Since then, he's not scored in the last 12 from open play, so that's been a problem for Norwich. I wonder now whether Josip Dermic gets a, a bit of a run now on the latter end of the season. I mean, he's been playing, but in terms of being the key man, can he be the key man? Can he save them? They're in all sorts of trouble, obviously, Norwich, the way off the six points adrift. But for Saints, well, remember that miserable night against Leicester, well, he's turned it around a bit. It's been a little bit hit and miss of late, but 14th, 34 points, a bit of distance between themselves and Brighton. He doesn't think the safe Hassan Hilton of course one win in seven is not good but well I think they should have possibly just too much at Carroll Road maybe you think and then that would be absolutely relief relief for Saints and done Norwich just about got over the line he just got, oh, nice. got over the line I liked it you got to do this yeah this is good for you right Did you, yeah, yeah that's alright you're okay with this right okay let me just pull one out for you listen if it doesn't work it doesn't work it doesn't matter it's, it's just a game okay um, we'll give you a good one we'll give it oh, look at this this is a great one for you Brighton versus Arsenal your time starts now um, Brighton at home um, obviously they'll feel they'll feel confident at home against the Arsenal but um, they both play similar sort of football they both want to play out from the back and they, they, um, but I think Arsenal will probably have a little bit too much for them they, they'll want to swarm all over them Arteta's done a, a, a phenomenal job since going in there really? Um, in a sense that he's, 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 he's tried to stamp his authority on the, the way that they play and they seem to be with with some young lads coming in they seem to be understanding what the, what the manager wants um, they're getting there he'll, he'll have a, uh, the, the transfer window coming up soon that will he'll allow to bring in a few more players for himself so uh, um, I expect a win there for, for, for Arsenal. Okay. We've got another 19 seconds to go. Anything you want to add? Uh, not really, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, all right. Okay, we could we'll, have a little chat. We could have a little chat. You know, Brighton's a nice place to go. It is, actually. It's very good for the away And the stadium fans. is wonderful. It is, It is. Yeah. I, I went there and I, when I was with Bolton. As long as it doesn't rain. It didn't rain. Okay. There we are. Uh, that, that was your minute great well done we got there in the end thanks Emil um, ok so one left and that means that I'm going to get uh, Bournemouth versus Crystal Palace ok right our time starts now um, Bournemouth probably need a bit of the old Roy Hodgson's don't they because they a few scrappy unimpressive 1-0 wins the problem that they've got for me is that they can't keep a clean sheet I don't think anybody in the Premier League has kept fewer clean sheets this season than Eddie Howe's team um, they've had injuries galore and I think that needs to be sort of mentioned because Charlie Daniels they lost earlier in the season Jack Simpson um, had to come in last week for an injured Stephen Cook midway through the first half when he pulled his hamstring after doing an acrobatic clearance you know and that after a great start Anfield he's been the bedrock of their defence when they've played well he's been at the heart of it Josh King picks up a hamstring tweak in the build up to that game and apart from that they do make sloppy basic errors both goals at Liverpool were avoidable and Crystal Palace they don't have the ability of Mane and Salah to punish you but Jordan Nayu is a key player for them he, he's what scored 9 or 10 goals this season every time he's scored they've won or drawn they haven't lost a game and the other issue is that Eddie Howe who I know you like he doesn't have a striker he can rely on Callum Wilson went 15 without a goal they got three in six he got three and six after that and then all of a sudden gone again. he's gone again ok let's get to North London where Jose Mourinho needs a victory like Tanky and Dombele needs a hug <laughs> 
Oh, two teams in contrasting form and managers with contrasting personalities. It's intriguing that it happens this weekend. Four points separate them in the league. And what a dreadful performance on Tuesday night by uh, Jose Mourinho's Tottenham. Yeah, look, I think they're feeling sorry for themselves. They've, they've, had a, they've got a few injuries. Um, they've got no real forward player um, and this is what again me going off the topic a little bit this is where you, you're talking about Spurs you're talking about all these top clubs surely don't they have a t- under 23 player that could step in for one game I, I came through at 17 hmm. uh, uh, you know and I could uh, yes it was one game we all went down the, the, the front two went down sick when I made my debut and I played for that one game and then I was on the bench for the rest of the season then I played the full the next season the full season it's interesting you say that because the, a lot of the argument about not using Troy Parrott was is that you didn't know what he was like and no one uh, Jose came out with this great quote last week that they don't even know whether he's got blonde or dark hair whether he's short or he's tall but ultimately Marcus Rashford only got his chance at Manchester United under Louis van Gaal because of an injury in the build-up to a game in the Europa League and he had to step in last minute, played, scored, then played Saturday, Sunday or whatever it was and scored again and then played the next week and scored again. I mean, and once you start, that's it, you're on the roll. Who knows? You don't, until you're thrown into that deep end, no one knows. Um, I'll give you an example. I was at Villa. Uh, Martin, we had some injuries at the back and Martin O'Neill asked me to play at the back and I said... I'm not a central defender I've played there if, if we join a game and you want me to go back then fair enough but I'm not going to start the game from there alright Kieran Clark, young lad comes in and plays a, a run of games he was a man of the match that game yeah. but you've got to give him the opportunity so you're responsible for Kieran Clark's career oh yeah I wouldn't say that <laughs> do you get 10% I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for the check <laughs> um, you, do you recognise these uh, these Mourinho-isms that have started I just, to uh, I think it's fascinating. Emerge. I think it's absolutely fascinating because you talk about obviously the kid gets a chance in the week and, and Jose Mourinho when he first turned up at Manchester United you know one of the questions thrown at him uh, and he, he nearly bit my head off actually because I asked him about you know this this Mourinho saying that he doesn't play young players he doesn't give youth a chance and he proudly reeled off all these stats about 49 players that he's been given that, that, that had their debuts with him young players that come through mm. now he's got another one that he's had to his CV and McTominay would be one that he'd mentioned at Manchester United yeah. and other players like that so he, he would say that's a myth that he doesn't give youth a chance but necessity is the mother of all invention mm-hmm. isn't it and as you say it's when you know one door's shut and the, all the doors are shut and you've got to throw a kid in and they either sink or swim and Rashford obviously took his chance and you know chance. then <laughs> well of course yeah and, and, and that's the way and, and it, you know there the will be examples over the years of players that have folded but you know they do the research they do the work on all these kids they know the ones that are mentally strong and they, they, they can deal with it so Jose anyway is always going to be a huge enigma um, Manchester United are 10 games unbeaten is it all to do with Alex Crook's favourite here comes the sound effect Bruno Fernandes um, Dom what is the word on the street He's very popular, is the, is the word on the street from a United perspective. You can't, you can't go anywhere in Manchester without hearing the name Bruno Fernandes and this angel voice <laughs> yeah. coming up in the background. Yeah, but, you know, again, it's very early days. But it's understandable why United fans have got giddy and a bit carried away with this fella because he's come in, he's 25 years of age. And again, I think he's, he's one of these characters that's so mentally strong. You know, he went to Italy as a, a child, basically, mm-hmm. at 17 and taught himself Italian and moved around and then went back to Portugal. Now he's in Manchester. At 25, he's got a lot of life experience mm-hmm. and he's got that swagger United fans you know there's an arrogance about Manchester United always has been you know a successful club but they want players to play a certain way and have mm-hmm. a certain attitude he's got it 
Um, he's he's had more uh, minutes on this podcast than anybody else <laughs> of the whole season. He literally is the uh, the, the new darling of Old Trafford. Um, Tottenham are in serious strife. They have not won since the 16th of February. They're on a six-game uh, run without winning a match, and uh, they face Manchester United at the uh, new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium this Sunday. Okay, let's get to West Ham Wolves, Newcastle Sheffield United and Manchester City Burnley. Um, Let's do West Ham Wolves first of all, because West Ham need to start turning performances into points, don't they? They did well against Arsenal, didn't manage to get anything from the the game. David Moyes, um, he sort of decided, I've got these characters here who I know I can rely on, so let's stick those in the team. Jared Bowen's done Mm -hmm, well mm -hmm, since coming mm -hmm. into uh, the, the side. Um, do you think they can drag themselves away from that precarious yeah, position I, they find themselves I, I in? I do, I do. But the only thing is for me is, where, and I've been in this position where when you, the, the longer it goes, you think, oh, yes, yeah, it's fine, we'll be all right, we'll get it next week. You suddenly get sucked into this place where you're, you don't want to be. Mm. And they, they're slowly getting dragged into it, and they just need to get the, the need to get the points. They've got they've got a reasonable, a decent side, so I don't understand how they're actually down there. The, the fans generally get behind them so they can be they can be uh, well, they, the, they sort of do yeah they, they generally of, that's what I said, they, and, <laughs> and, and sort of don't do that I mean it's not the, it's not the most uh, it's not the most positive place to go and visit I mean they've got 27 points from 29 games Watford are on the same points Bournemouth on the same points there's what four points separating 15th place Brighton and Aston and Aston Villa he's incredibly tight it's tough but West Ham's fixture list it's one of those where I mean it, it could knock your confidence because they play Wolverhampton Wanderers at home Wolves mm. are a great side <laughs> I mean you'd expect that Wolves even though they drew at Brighton uh, last week or drew with Brighton last week at Molyneux uh, on game day um, that they could bounce back from, from, from that uh, then they play Tottenham away and that's going to be a Tottenham, difficult Tottenham, fixture yeah. although at the moment yeah. it doesn't look that difficult <laughs> yeah. uh, and then Chelsea Newcastle away Burnley not at home, easy. Norwich, Watford, and then Manchester United away, and then Aston Villa on the final day of the season. So they haven't got the best running out. No, out they haven't. They haven't got the worst either. No, they haven't. Um, and, but the other thing is, we, we, with, a, with a manager like David Moyes, I think you've got a, a, a good leader who knows how to get results when results are needed. Mm. And I think I think they, they'll be safe. I think they'll pull themselves out on it. Yeah, and it started in July, didn't they? So, uh, again, it's been a long goal campaign for them. But, you know, overall, it's been a very positive one. And I think, yeah, obviously, West Ham's need is greater on this one. But I think Moyes will be feeling positive about the squad and about what the future would hold at West Ham as long as he gets over the line this season. Because mm-hmm. Declan Rice and players like that, you know, you mentioned Bowen, but he has got the core of a good young squad. Uh, and again with some additions but obviously the protests with fans uh, with the board it doesn't help Um, Okay, let's move on to Newcastle against Sheffield United at the beginning of the season Newcastle and Sheffield United would have been candidates for for the drop wouldn't they I mean they would have been on your list Uh, but Newcastle got 35 points with 9 games to play they're not safe but they've given themselves a great chance of being safe and well Chris Wilder's got Sheffield United you know, flying in the table, they're up into the top ten. They're currently residing in seventh position, but they've only got forty-three points. Now, I say only got forty-three points, but they're in seventh position. Mm-hmm. You know, what have you made of Chris Wilder? Have you had too much to do with him? 
Do you know I saw him at the Kell Brook fight? In fact, back uh, last month, and he was sat ringside. So I thought I'll just go over and see. I'll just chance me out and see if he wants to do a minute. But uh, he, he wasn't up for it. He was there with his mates, so he blew me out. Did he? He blew me out. He, he was, was just, great. He was, just there. he was there for the boxing. In fairness to him, I was. I only wanted to talk boxing with him. But he's a proper he probably, lad, isn't he? Yeah, he's just he was sat ringside watching Kell Brook. Kell Brook. And the Sheffield United boys, they go down the gym, I believe, and they do a bit of training with the boxers and all the rest of it. So it's obviously mm-hmm. it's amazing fitness work. And so as Sheffield's, a, you know, it's a really it's a really tight sports city like that. They all support each other, and he was there supporting Kel that night. So what they've done, what they've achieved, in, in the, is just absolutely unbelievable. I mean, you look at the points now; they're two off a potential Champions League place. <laughs> yeah. Because if City's ban is upheld, yeah, fifth will be enough. I mean, not not that there's too many things to uh, to, to to still be decided, but basically the whole season's up in the air because of the Corona. Virus. The Euros are up in the air because of the coronavirus. And even if that does get completed, Manchester City don't know whether they're going to be banned or not for the Champions League mm. next season. So we don't even know if finishing fifth will get you into the Champions League. Um, they won last week against uh, Norwich City by a goal to nil. And that's how they win their games, isn't it? They, 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 they nick a goal here and there. They get over the line. You know, they, I don't think they play bad football. I don't I've, think they, I, they, I actually they quite like them. I like they, watching. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They press, yeah. they work, they, 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 they hound other centre people. Centre-backs are crossing the ball for another yeah. centre back you're like what's going on here yeah. just throwing everything out the, out the window yeah and they've got someone like Billy Sharp who seems to do a hell of a lot of running around and wants to contribute to the team you played under Steve Bruce Newcastle United yeah. they've had a bit of a sort of up and down season but they've got 35 points they're in an FA Cup quarter final do you think he gets the credit that he deserves or should he be he, doing more with the I don't squad think that he, he's got? I don't think he will get the credit from because of I think because of his connection with Sunderland and but even though he is a Newcastle fan mm. I, I, I liked Bruce when I was at uh, Birmingham and um, and Wigan with him, um, gets them very organised. Um, he's obviously missing a few players in the sense of uh, goal scorers and, and and someone who's going to finish a game off. But it's just a typical Bruce's side who really have a go and and will and will pick up points. Uh, Newcastle's quarterfinal with Manchester City is going to be the most the biggest non-event of the entire season because everybody is going to be watching the game at Anfield between Liverpool and Crystal Palace or listening to it on on Talk Sport um, for some unknown reason and I'd love someone to explain this to me that the game is scheduled to overlap who knows <laughs> coronavirus let's just well, be we'll blame, blame everything on that too probably is uh, Manchester City though before they get to that quarterfinal have got to play Burnley and find another date for that Arsenal game what happened with City on Sunday have they given up I don't think they've given up this, they, they could still have a, a phenomenal season obviously. In, the, in the Champions League but in the Premier yeah. League have they sort of just well, gone, I, well I think there's, there's not as much urgency obviously you're never going to get that from Pep he's always going to say the, the next game it's all important and blah 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 I think a lot went wrong for, for City they weren't at it and it, I, I thought it was a bit bizarre Pep afterwards was saying how well they played and, and then Bernardo Silva yeah but and Bernardo Silva said no we weren't there today it was just an off day and United did what they what they did but I think, again, I, I don't know. Emil's a better place than me, but they know the league is gone and it's been gone for a long time. So, again, does something subconsciously switch off with these players when they're playing a league game now? No, I don't. It shouldn't do. It shouldn't do because you went... Well, now they're probably thinking, yeah, it's just damage limitation, isn't it? We just want to spoil the party uh, and keep it going for as long mm. as possible. They obviously think that way now, but... Uh, there was a there was that one point where you could actually still be chasing it down. You know, uh, I went to last season. I went to the City um, Liverpool game, uh, and that was a turning point um, for for. And you got to remember, City was still what seven points down then. Mm. 
and that was a turning point that was what January or February January the 3rd yeah uh, I went to that game and they just went on from strength to strength after that and yeah. at one point they were like 12 points behind us or 15 points behind us something like that so they do they obviously do think that they could actually get back but once you start going further and further into it I think it's just damage limitation and I don't know to be honest honestly well, I was going to say I mean you can't blame injuries because all clubs no. have them but they've had a funny time defensively haven't they with the Laporte getting injured and it's always been a little bit messy at the back and who, even who, Edison who, lost his head this, yeah that was it, crazy it, wasn't yeah. it I if, mean it, some if, of his experience if, and the way he's performed over two years to, to, to do that twice in a game but then, but then he's not been in the, t- the team now, I as wonder much, has yeah. Pep made a mistake by putting Bravo yeah. in for the games yeah. and mm-hmm. he, he, did he lose his momentum did he lose his maybe. rhythm maybe could have done <laughs> um, Sean Dyche has kicked Burnley on again though hasn't he I mean he did, yeah. got a good uh, tune out of them against Tottenham Hotspur I mean they've done very well they started the season poorly but they've very quickly found themselves safe and in, in mid-table 10th in the league I mean they, they're only a point behind Arsenal I mean Arsenal got a game in hand but a point behind Arsenal and two points behind Tottenham I mean, it's yeah I think impressive. he's done a phenomenal job to be honest with you no one really brings his name up when they're talking about uh, managers and stuff like that he's done he's done a great job he's uh, you know when you look at him you don't think too much about him but he must be a great leader he must he, he, you see players getting on the pitch and wanting to play wanting to put their uh, their neck on the line and then they've got a, a good system of playing where Chris Wood scores a lot of goals he does and the, the other thing that they've done well I think I mentioned it on the pod a couple of times is the fact that these injuries that they've picked up they've used them as an opportunity it was interesting actually our old colleague Joey Barton was, yes. was giving us some great insight into what it he was. does Deitch because yeah. everyone feels a valued part of the squad mm. in training everyone trains the same mm-hmm. and everyone's position everyone knows exactly where they're going to play so when someone does get injured be that a Heaton and Pope steps in be that a defender you know again everybody is ready and that's the, the point he said everyone feels very involved mm-hmm. and you see God. how close knit they are and also there, there are no egos mm-hmm. you go to Barnfield to interview players there they're all so polite mm-hmm. they all sit and chat and you know I'm not knocking the professional Emil but you know it, it, you get to go to other clubs and for one reason or another maybe the pressures are too great on the media teams and the players and all the rest of it but Burnley you're talking to just lads that you talk to in the pub mm-hmm. yeah. that's the way it feels yeah. and Deitch is an old throwback as well because he comes in he'll chat for 10 minutes do the formalities and chat for half an hour afterwards mm-hmm. so it, you do get yeah. that vibe yeah, there yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's what he's created there and, and I think if, if someone does step out of line they don't last very long there no I think that's that's what you need in a leader I think someone who's just given uh, uh, given the given the players a bit of responsibility as well and and and, and, and no one's uh, uh, got any egos there mm. they just they just get on with their game and they're all friendly and they're all mates and that's when they get the best out of yourself I had that in Leicester Ah yes, it's time for the commentator's curse where we put the mockers on a club or a player and try and predict what's going to happen this weekend um, thanks to sort of some some obscure statistics. By the way, did you like my biscuits that I bought you? Nice, thank you. Did you like those? Yes. Foxes for Emil the Fox. <laughs> you know, from, from your time at Leicester City. Do you want one of these these, these biscuits? Go on, then, yeah, go on, have one. They've been staring at me. Yeah, yeah, they've been staring at you. You should have one, definitely. Otherwise, uh, you know... Actually, my wife bought them and she'll feel bad if you don't have one. And also, it's not very often that we get Viennese biscuits in this house, so you might as well uh, indulge. Oh, oh that is great. He's taking two. He's taking two. He's taking two. <laughs> I'm I had half a pack of biscuits before, so. Did I'm, you? I'm, yeah. You, you don't want to just no, no, finish it off? No, thank you. No, they, they look great. Mm. They are great, aren't they? Fantastic. 
Anyway, we get the tea and biscuits. Commentators curse time. Um, what you got for us, Dom? Right, well, I'm thinking Manchester City and Burnley. They've played Burnley 12 times in the last decade. Now, Burnley, okay. they've dipped in and out of the Premier League in, in that time. But in those 12 games, 10 in the league, 2 in the cup, City have lost just once. That was 1-0 five years ago at Turf Moor. Only two draws as well in that time. City have won, you know, the last four in all competitions, 15-1 on aggregate. So, what do you reckon? Sean Dyche's side... They can produce a shock at the Etihad, can they? Well, City lost the derby, obviously. Now, they've got one eye on Real Madrid. Oh. That's next week. But United have beaten City as well. Is that going to mean anything at all? But Burnley went to Old Trafford in January and, and beat Manchester United for the first time in 58 years. In a dreadful game. Dreadful game, but they won 2-0 and they were deserved winners. It, it, was a, it was a really, really solid performance for them. It wasn't a brilliant game, you're right, but deserved winners. Can they do a mank double for the first time in their history? Wow. And if they do... You know what that means? If they do, it puts it all on the Merseyside derby. Oh! Wow. That sounds like that. That's a good one. I like that. Mm. That, 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 that's, that could be the, the hat we hang on the whole weekend. Definitely. What about you? What you got for us, Samuel? I haven't got anything. <laughs> this is your first time on the podcast. So you, you've turned up with nothing. I bought you biscuits. I know. Right? Empty-handed, I've come. And you've, 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 you haven't even come with a curse. Oh. Yeah, I thought, you know, actually. I yeah, but it doesn't it. matter because I've seen Emil shopping for nappies in Tesco in Old There you go. Right, okay. <laughs> right. And we're talking about players without an ego. There you go. <laughs> that was a couple of years ago as well. You didn't well. even get Tesco delivery? No. No, it's only down the road. It was. Oh right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a nice shop as well. Okay. Right. Well, you there, could pop, there are you other. Could have in there, there are other. You came around and bought some biscuits. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it was Tesco. It wasn't <laughs> even being flashed. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was a waitress. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. I wouldn't be in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Okay. Here's my one. Then I'll Don't do one. I'll do one. Go no, on, no, you don't worry about it. You, you, you know, we'll let you off. Thank you know. You, thank you. Um, you you do need a big man for the big occasion, don't you? Mm-hmm. Uh, a talisman, a leader. Two weeks ago, he capped a performance of the season from Watford when he scored the third and clinching goal that ended Liverpool's unbeaten run. And now he's out to destroy Leicester's dash for third position. Troy Deeney has been involved in six goals in his last six Premier League home games. Four goals and two assists. He comes alive at Vicarage Road. And that is as many goals as he has had, or goal involvements as he has had, in his previous 25 performances at Vicarage Road. So Nigel Pearson is definitely getting the best out of him. When it comes to form, nobody's doing it better right now than Troy Deeney. Troy's coming for you. Uh, We're coming for you all over the weekend as well because we've got the verdict on Saturday night, Sunday morning. And on Monday when you wake up, you'll be able to download Danny Kelly's record book as well. Just subscribe via iTunes, uh, via Acast or Spotify or Google Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. And we'll be back uh, at the same time next week. Thank you, Dom. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Great to have you. And Emil. Thank you very much. Loved it. Thank you. Big bad Emil Heskey in the house. Nice biscuits, by the way. Nice biscuits. Yeah. Next time you bring them. That was a game day Premier League preview show, a Talk Sport exclusive podcast. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com 
18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply.